This episode is brought to you in partnership with Covenant Baptist Theological Seminary. CBTS is a confessional Reformed Baptist seminary which provides affordable online theological education to help the church in its calling to train faithful men for the gospel ministry. They are fully accredited by the Association of Reformed Theological Seminaries. You can learn more about them at their website, cbtseminary.org. Covenant Podcast exists to equip listeners with theological content from a 1689 Baptist perspective. We pray you find this resource edifying, faithful to Scripture, and Christ-exalting. Now, let's get started. Welcome to the Covenant Podcast. We have the distinguished guest today on this episode. He is Ryan Pendergraft, but I will not say too much about him because we're going to take this episode to get to know him and his journey. So welcome, Ryan. Oh, thanks for having me. Ryan, uh, we are in looking forward to this conversation with you. And we want to start by talking about your Christian conversion. So how old were you when you became a Christian? And can you tell us about your conversion? Yeah, well, the the kind of my background is... I was raised in a Christian home, you know, kind of your typical, I guess, uh, start out to a conversion story. But what really intrigued me or really piqued my interest in uh, in the things of God uh, was going through my, my parents' uh, family Bible that they had received uh, after they had, were married. And, um, you know, I was born in, in 88. And in 83 and in 85, my parents lost uh, two children. One was uh, one was was born, but only survived for just a few hours, had kidney failure. And then the other one was a miscarriage. And with this first one, I mean, so that was in 83. My parents were, you know, 20, 21 years old whenever they lost their first child. And so what they were, what they would do to uh, for one another uh, to try to comfort each other um, was that they would write letters from heaven, so to speak. And uh, so my brother's name was Joshua. And so Joshua would write, you know, dear mom, you know, don't worry about me. Heaven is, is great. And uh, and just all these, you know, phrases and, and words of encouragement uh, to get them through this time of of pain and bereavement. And so I was reading those letters and, you know, it, initially my, my interest in, in God and, and in heaven was because I knew I had a brother there uh, that I, I really wanted to see. And, uh, you know, I didn't really know much about, about God, uh, but I knew about a place called heaven and I knew that I wanted to be there. And so I remember very distinctly, uh, it was July 31st, uh, 1995. I was six years old, about to turn seven. And I come into my, my mom's room and I mean, I'm just, I'm in tears. And, I, you know, I want to go to heaven. I want to go see uh, my brothers. And um, I wanted to know what to do to get there. 
And so my mom began to share the gospel with me. She told me that um, in the best that she could to a six-year-old, she said, you know, if, if going to see your brothers is the only reason why you want to go to heaven, uh, that's not a good enough reason. And then so she began to explain to me the, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ and, and that I needed to be saved. And, I, you know, I remember hearing this, and I, I laugh about it now, especially now that I have children. But she, I asked her, I said, so if I'm good, I can go to heaven whenever I die. And she, she kind of, in, in my, my mother's own unique way, said, Ryan, you'll, you'll never be good. And she knew firsthand of, of my, uh, my orneriness, my uh, disobedience. And so she said, you know, that, that ship has already sailed. Uh, and so she told me of my, of my need for grace. And so I, you know, I come to faith at six years old on July 31st. Uh, I, and I remember that as soon as I did, uh, I got on the phone. I called my grandfather. I called my, grand, my grandma. I mean, just about everyone that I could. And, and the, the story wasn't, I get to go to heaven now and see my brothers. Is, this is what God has done for me. And for whatever reason, God and his, his providence had allowed me at a very young age to see that he did something for me that I didn't deserve. And at that very moment, instilled within me a, a zeal and a passion uh, to tell others uh, about what he has done for me and, and what he has done ultimately for those who believe in Christ. So that's pretty well my I've had story of conversion okay. in, in a nutshell. No, that's it. Thank you for that, Ryan. I've had the privilege of knowing Ryan now for a few years and, and kind of to give some context for this, this episode and this next question that I'll be asking is Ryan is a local pastor in the same town that I'm a local pastor in and we met at a Fields of Faith event or a, a Fellowship of Christian Athletes rally-like event where I, I preached the first week that I had lived here and Ryan and I struck up what he might call a friendship or what I might call a friendship, depending on which one of you ask, which one of us you ask, I guess, I would say we're friends, Probably but Ryan is a pastor and, and that's his main vocation. So Ryan can, oh yes, Ryan, can you tell us a little bit about the background of your calling to ministry and, and, and kind of how you, you got to where you're at? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, like I had explained, uh, like what we've talked before, I don't think that there is this calling uh, that that men are waiting for. You know, you, you listen to seminarians, you listen to those who maybe have a, a, an interest in preaching, and they said, you know, I just don't know if I'm called, as, as if they're waiting on some kind of mystical um, sign in order to confirm that, yes, this is what they're supposed to be doing. Um, I might have at one point said, you know, yeah, I, I feel called, whatever this, you know, feeling is, and, and feelings are are subjective. But just beginning, well, with my conversion, I, I would say that the moment that, that I had uh, come to faith in Christ, 
you know, my, my first impulse was to get on the phone and tell somebody. And it, it went from that to uh, going to different places and just going up to, to random strangers. I mean, I'm, I'm a kid going up to an adults saying, do you know Jesus? And, and if you don't, this is how you can know Jesus. Um, and, and so very passionate about sharing the gospel. Uh, I was very involved in my local church growing up. I was very involved in, in youth ministry. Uh, at 15 years old, uh, I was given the, the opportunity to preach my first sermon. And unlike some who maybe only last five or 10 minutes, I think I took up almost the entire hour uh, preaching. Uh, just it's it's just been one of those things that uh, I, I've never really doubted. Uh, and so as far as my call, uh, yeah, I, I believe that I was called into ministry uh, at a very young age. I from the first sermon that I preached, I, I went on to the uh, pulpit supply list for our local association. And I preached in almost every church in uh in Barry County, Missouri, from where I'm, where I'm from, uh, I went from there. My senior year of high school, I, I joined a, a, a church not too far from where I grew up, and, and became a youth pastor. And so here I am, 18 years old, pastoring youth. I, I don't know uh, how that's supposed to work out, but it did. Uh, I've, I've also gone multiple times to Mexico with a group out of uh, Holt Summit, Missouri, the Sports Crusaders, sharing the gospel. Um, I joined the Fellowship of Missouri Baptist Evangelists in, uh, what year was that, 2009, I believe. And so I, I was able to do revivals uh, almost every week. And, and so preaching is just something that I've, I, I've done individually since the time of, of my conversion, sharing people, uh, sharing the gospel with people. And then from a kind of a bivocational perspective, uh, since I was 15 years old. And so at that time, I would have said, yeah, I believe God has called me. I have this feeling in the in the pit of my stomach. But looking, you know, kind of now at scripture, uh, whenever Paul gives the list of qualifications for pastors, uh, you know, there, there are, the, of course, the moral qualifications, and then there is the ability. And then I, I guess you could also say the, the desire and the confirmation by others. And so looking at all that, you know, I, I am a sinner saved by grace, uh, but I don't have any moral failings, which would prohibit me from uh, pastoring a church or from preaching. Uh, as far as ability, uh, I've had that ability at least confirmed, uh, though I'm my own worst critic at times. Uh, there's not a sermon that, that I'm really happy with each Sunday. But uh, so you, you put all those things together, and I definitely desire this uh, this responsibility, this vocation. Um, and, and so I believe that that I've been called, and that calling is is rooted really in the uh, in the passion that I first had uh, at my conversion to just share the gospel with everyone that I came across. Well, uh, Jimmy mentioned <laughs> earlier that Ryan is uh, serving in the local church as a pastor. So um, keep that in mind as we ask this next question. Ryan, uh, you have experienced 
some changes in your pastoral ministry philosophy and theological perspectives since you have been uh, serving God in the local church. Can you tell mm-hmm. our audience about this change that has been wrought in your mind and in your heart? Which one? Uh, ministry philosophy or theological perspective? Or both? Uh, both. Both. Okay. So let me start with my theological perspective, uh, because I think that my ministry philosophy would, would flow out of uh, my theology. Uh, theologically, as, as I've talked about my time in ministry, you hear a lot of opportunities in evangelism. And so I was an evangelist here in the state of Missouri, uh, working with the Missouri Baptist Convention. And I, you know, remember at a time, uh, Lifeway, or not Lifeway, Pathway, the, uh, the Southern Baptist article uh, had contacted me, as, as well as Dr. Johnston, who is a professor at Midwestern Baptist Seminary in Kansas City. And the Pathway was all about me being the youngest evangelist in Missouri. And they asked me, would you ever consider being a pastor? You know, I'm 18 years old. And I say, absolutely not. I, I don't want anything to do with pastoring. I, I, I've seen what pastors go through, and, and I don't want to be a part of that. And so what I'm getting at is with evangelism, um, you know, I could go in and I could I could preach and then and then leave. Uh, and so that will get in kind of into my philosophy here in just a moment. But with evangelism came a constant um, rhetoric of the altar call it came a constant, uh, you know, just just come to Jesus, say a prayer, fill out a card. And man, I would preach those revival meetings. And sometimes at those meetings, there would be 16 people come forward. And I would just go home and, and just be in, in awe of what, uh, of what God has, has done through the ministry. And, and I don't, now, of course, I'm not trying to doubt the validity of those things, but my perspective of uh, of theology was that you know there was a a prevenient grace which you know God gives to all people. All people have a chance to be saved, and as the evangelist, I'm going to come in and and spread the gospel, and and it's up to you to to decide. Now, I still believe that there is a a big uh, responsibility in evangelism. In fact, we're commanded to evangelize, but the way that I see how people are converted is is much different than uh, whenever I started out in evangelism. And so my first year in the pastorate at, at my current uh, uh, place of, of service, I took our church through the book of Jonah. And for whatever reason, I mean, it was like a, a light that just kind of dawned because uh, I was thinking about these things. You know, I had never even heard of, of uh, you know, the doctrines of grace until I'd, I'd went to school. And so I'm reading Jonah. I've, I've debated people on, on predestination, on election. And then that verse in, in the prayer of Jonah, uh, I believe it's Jonah chapter 2, whenever Jonah is in the belly of the fish and he says, salvation is, is from the Lord. 
but then that just began to really, I don't know, kind of snowball these thoughts in, in my brain because I started with salvation is from the Lord. Therefore, only God can save. Not everybody is saved. So therefore, God must only save some. And then from from that, so I went from just to kind of in a nutshell, I went from a very, very Arminian perspective of, uh, of salvation to a more reformed view of, of soteriology. And I believe that that God is is most glorified in that view of salvation because it is a view which begins and ends with God, even a view which says God not only works in, in a person monergistically at the moment of salvation, but also in our sanctification. And if you follow the golden chain of redemption in Romans 8, it, it is God who, who foreknows, who predestines, who justify, who calls, who justifies, and who glorifies. And so from the, the moment of our conversion, even before the foundations of the world, God begins with it, God ends it, and God gets the glory. And so that that leads in then to a very different philosophy of ministry. How can I serve the church in a way in which God gets the most glory? And to do that is simply to serve in, in a way uh, that the Bible instructs. And so I would, and Jimmy could probably attest to this. I have a very, very embarrassing video on YouTube from one of those early days of, of ministry. I was, uh, I, was, I was into a guy, uh, some of you might know, uh, his name is, is Ed Young uh, Jr. Not his, there's Ed Young Sr., who's a pastor, I believe, at Dallas, and then Ed Young Jr. But anyway, he would you know, do all these crazy things on stage and present the gospel. And I thought, man, I, I've got to do that. I, I've got to be creative. We have a, a creative God. So, you know, we need to be creative too. Of course, I didn't have the money like he did to, to bring out a Rolls, Rolls Royce on, onto the stage. Um, but, man, I, I would use props. I would use all sorts of things to try to, you know, get the message across. And when I'd say that the moment, and before that, but really the moment that my my uh, perspective on how people are saved changed, I cut all of that stuff out completely, because God is sovereign over not only who can be saved, but God is also sovereign over the uh, the effects that His Word have. For instance, you know, uh, I'm going to be in Revelation chapter ten this this Sunday morning. And John is instructed to eat the little scroll. And in his mouth, it is sweet, but it then turns bitter once it reaches his stomach. And I believe that what's being communicated there is the sweetness of God's salvation, which turns bitter, not because of anything that, that happens to us, but it becomes bitter because people reject it. And so we have two effects of the gospel. We have the, the word of God leading to salvation for some and the word of God leading to the judgment of others. Or as Paul says in 2 Corinthians, uh, that, that the word of God, the gospel, is an aroma of life to some, but it's also an aroma of death in others. And so from that perspective, 
beginning with my theological perspective, going down to my philosophy of ministry, I don't want to do anything other than preach the, the, just the word of God. Uh, no props, no gimmicks. You know, I'll use anecdotes. I'll, I'll joke, you know, around some, mostly just personal anecdotes. Uh, but just my whole philosophy of ministry is just the exposition of God's word. And, uh, and so that's definitely been a change from, from the, you know, my early years in ministry. With such a radical change of both doctrine, but also your practice in ministry, I'm, I'm certain that, that there were difficulties that arose in your ministry and some difficulties that you experienced both personally, but also relationally with the flock that you were, you were and and are pastoring. So what were some of the difficulties that you experienced during this change and transition? Well, on a, on a relational level, uh, start with my own family, uh, who aren't members of this church, but, um, you know, the, the moment that they, you know, heard about, you know, their, their son is no longer, uh, an Arminian, uh, and I, I got some pushback from that a lot. I, I still get pushback. You know, uh, my my father sometimes refers to me as a Calvinist, and you know, it's just in a very he, he's joking, but it's uh, you know kind of a, a degrading way that he uses that. And so uh, pushback from from my family. I mean, whenever I first came to it, I was probably a little cage stagey, and so my my wife was she even pushed back against it. And then um, not so cage stagey, uh, which I've, I never preach Calvinism from the pulpit in terms of I never say according to the doctrines of grace or according to Reformed theology or according to this. It's always according to what God says in Scripture. Now, whenever I, I preach on predestination and election and foreknowledge and limited atonement and things like that, of course, I, I have a more reformed leaning whenever I go through those things, and preaching that from the pulpit, I've had some people, you know, leave leave our church uh, because of of their not just that they don't just uh, you know disagree with it, but they oppose it. They they oppose it with disdain, and and so that that has been uh, a struggle seeing people's not only just their opposition. It's one thing to disagree. But it's another thing to just get angry and leave. And unfortunately, that's been uh, some of the experience that I've had uh, ministering here once my, my theological perspective has changed. And then on the other end of that, going into my philosophy of ministry, if, I, if I'm committed to the exposition of the Word of God, I'm not bringing in a bunch of jokes and gimmicks and uh, you know, I'm not trying to play on people's emotions like I once did in evangelism. Like, I, man, I would tell a sob story and make you weep just so I could, you know, try to, you know, coerce a, a decision from you. Uh, I don't do that anymore. And so now I'm accused of being boring. I'm accused of being dry. Uh, you know, and that's, I mean, it, it's, it stinks. And, it, and it, those, those types of comments hurt. Uh, watching people leave the church hurt, um, but this is what I'm committed to because, like I said, this is what I believe most glorifies God. Hmm. 
So that said, what are some of the benefits that you have received in this change and um, this theological perspective of yours and in this pastoral ministry philosophy change that you have gone through? Well, the the first benefit personally is the the way that I the way that I described it to a, a friend of mine uh, who also held to Reformed theology, and um, he knew that at, at the time I didn't, but the moment that I I began to to come uh, to understand that perspective, I said Reformed theology keeps me at the foot of the cross. And so a personal benefit for me is that whenever I, I study the scriptures through the lens of, of the sovereignty of God, through the lens of his covenant, uh, I, I just, I, I behold his glory in the scriptures. And there, there's nothing sweeter uh, than that, um, then that realization of, of a sovereign God who has brought me into a relationship with him through Christ. And so personally, you know, I've benefited a great deal from it. Um, I would also say that, and I guess this could also be on a personal level too, is the, uh, the group that I've become a part of the, if you want to say the reformed group, um, I, I've benefited greatly from it, whether they be Presbyterians or Baptists, um, those who just you know hold to the Word of God, that uh, that camaraderie, that relationship that I've developed with you know like like with Jimmy, um, having those the, those discussions with with people in those circles that you can't have with with just you know anyone off the street has been a, a big benefit. Um, and so the, the, just my personal relationship with God, my relationship with other brothers in Christ and, and discussing, uh, you know, Baptist doctrine, Baptist, uh, covenant theology, you know, things like this, it's, it's been, it's been edifying for me. And, you know, I, uh, I then in, in turn, I, I take it and I just kind of dump it out on the people that I preach to and hopefully that, uh, that they'll be edified through it as well. And so I, I've benefited probably a lot. I'd say that the majority of my growth as a Christian has come um, with a a better understanding of God's sovereignty. Amen. Ryan, for as long as I've known you and nearly as long as I've been alive, you have been a seminarian and been in seminary. Yes. Um, no, Ryan's not that much older than me, but still, he's been in seminary a long while. He's a student at Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary, so it's not the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, but it's still a good one um, that I respect. But it's greatly. still better than Southern. So, <laughs> so Ryan, um, that kind of leads us to our You got two MBTS our grads on here, Jimmy. Watch your shots, brother. Yeah, watch my You're shots, a Spurgeon so. college grad. <laughs> well, technically, um, I guess, what changed role? their name. Yeah, yeah. What? <laughs> Moving on, um, now that we've bantered a little bit, what 
what role has theological training played in your transition, um, theologically and pastorally, and how has it been of help to you? Uh, one word, humility. I walked in, you know, a long, 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 long time ago in 2011 to Midwestern Baptist College as someone who had been in bivocational uh, ministry. I was uh, 20, 22, 23 at the time and so and here i am i'm a young young kid i'm coming in and you know these these guys that are just you know coming out of college and or excuse me out of high school just getting started in ministry my attitude and and i say this uh shamefully but my attitude going into midwestern was what can they teach me that i don't already know i mean that that's just the the pridefulness that i had and going to school is I've got the experience. I've been in, in ministry for you know seven years. I mean, most of these guys haven't even preached before. Uh, so yeah, I'll, I'll go get a degree and make it look good on my resume. But uh, other than that, what benefit could I receive? And the first benefit, and probably the most prized benefit is, is humility. Uh, the, the depth of the riches of, of knowing Christ uh, can never be uh, mind out completely. And I found that out really, really quick. And, uh, and so I've, uh, I've been humbled and my theological training has, has helped me not only personally, but I think also in, in, um, in the church, um, you know, I don't think that there's really anything besides doing pastoral ministry that prepares you for pastoral ministry. Uh, you know, you, you can spend a lot of hours in a class and fill your head with a bunch of knowledge. But on the, the practical level, it's uh, getting getting to know people. But as I as I preach to people all the time, right thinking leads to right living. And so understanding things uh, aright theologically, uh, I think, leads uh, to a better philosophy of ministry. It leads uh, to how to relate people, to relate to people on a personal level, you know, dealing with church discipline, dealing with people in sin, dealing with someone who's heartbroken, dealing with, you know, all various kinds of circumstances that we encounter in life. Uh, Ministry helped me with that by simply, for one, humbling me, telling me that I don't have all the answers, and by two, enabling me or teaching me how to study my Bible better. And so understanding how to study scripture, I, I've been able to, um, to to preach on Sunday morning, like I said, in a way that I feel like best minds out the, the not only the meaning of the text, but also with the application. And it also helps me to be able to, uh, to, to relate to people in a biblical way. Uh, way or with a biblical understanding and not just uh, through sub- subjectivity. I, I'm, let's say this way, I'm more objective whenever it comes to ministry, uh, probably because of my, my schooling uh, rather than just being subjective. Well, uh, Ryan, uh, we have one more question to 
ask you, or I guess it's two, but before we do that, I do want to mention that Ryan is a, a regular contributor of Covenant Confessions. I have been benefited by his uh, theological contributions uh, in former podcasts that he's been able to speak to. I've been able to listen to his sermons and be benefited and uh, read some articles. So, brother, I'm grateful for you uh, as you are a pastor in the local church serving as a pastor theologian. Can you tell us about uh, your service in the local church, where you're at now, what br- books you've been preaching through lately, just anything else you really want to tell us about you? Yeah. Um, well, I, I'm serving, uh, like Jimmy said, in the same town that, that he's in, uh, I guess, technically. Uh, I'm in Osceola and he's in Vista, but uh, you know, you blink and, and the two of them kind of merge together. But uh, so I've been in Osceola for over five years. Uh, my wife and I came uh, in 2015, and at the time, you know, we just had uh, one child. Now we have three, and so not only has my faith grown, but so has my family. And so this has just been a really neat season uh, for us here at Osceola. There's been a lot of changes, uh, you know, with our family, with our our faith, uh, and so this has been a time in which God has just really really stretched me. And I've, um, I, I guess I'd be lying if I said that I enjoy every minute of it, uh, because there's sometimes that, um, that are heartbreaking, uh, like the, the moments that I'd mentioned earlier, but overall, uh, this has been you know, a pretty wonderful, uh, church to be at. And, um, They've they've been patient with me as I've made these transitions in both theology and philosophy. Um, they've they've worked with me, and I'm surrounded by a, a number of people in this church that you know just surround me and and lift me up and and continue to encourage me. And so, for as long as God has us here, uh, you know we've we've really enjoyed our time here at Osceola First Baptist. And um, and so the books that that we've been studying through, um, you know, my first year that I was here, I took them through First Corinthians. That was my first commitment to expository preaching. Uh, I went through from First Corinthians to Second Corinthians, and I think I spent probably two two to three years in, between the two books. And so I guess technically we've not been out of first and second Corinthians for very long. Uh, just recently, we, we've taken a break from a series that I, that I started back in October entitled, What is the Church? And looking to uh, study Paul's pastor, pastoral letters to, to Timothy and to Titus to kind of define where, where are we as a church? What do we need to be as a church? And how do we get from where we are to where we need to be. Uh, and so been doing that. And then, so the, the break has been a study in the book of Revelation. I, uh, not only has my theological perspective changed soteriologically, but it has also changed uh, eschatologically as well. Uh, I grew up dispensational to the core. Uh, now I am an all millennialist. And so preaching through the book of of Revelation has been uh, unique. It has been challenging, uh, but I'm I'm having fun. 
And I, I hope that those who are listening on Sunday morning are having uh, I, I don't, fun. It's not a good word, but I, I hope they're having fun. I hope that they're enjoying and are being encouraged and edified uh, through that. And then on Sunday uh, evenings, I'm walking through the, uh, the gospel of Mark with them. And that's also been uh, challenging, um, but also been uh, really, it's been a wake up call because Mark for me was just kind of a, a neglected gospel. It's, it's short. It's kind of pithy. It's, you know, well, let's, let's go to John because that's where the theology is. Uh, but Mark has been, been a, a really, really big blessing in my life. So that's what we're doing. Amen. Amen. We have been talking with Ryan Pendergraft about his conversion, his, his change in theology, as well as in his ministry philosophy, going from an Armenian dispensational itinerant evangelist to a confessional particular Baptist who is a pastor serving at First Baptist Osceola. As Austin mentioned, he also has contributed a couple of articles at Covenant Confessions, the website that's in partnership with Covenant Podcast, but he is also the the head editor there. So he edits all the articles. So if there are any typos, it is certainly Ryan's fault and no one else's. Um, but no, no, Ryan, Ryan is a good, good, <laughs> Ryan is a good friend of mine. Um, and I, I'm sure you can tell that, but he is a, a faithful pastor theologian and, and you can find his sermons on Facebook. I believe you can also find it on first Baptist Osceola's website. So if you want to check out and hear some good sermons on the book of Revelation, I, I encourage you to go check out that as well as go check out some of his articles. But anyways, Ryan, thank you for coming on the podcast and talking with us. Well, it's, it's been an honor and thank you guys for having me. For additional content, check out our blog ministry at covenantconfessions.com. Also, keep up with our social media accounts on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Next, head on over to iTunes and leave us a review. Lastly, thank you for listening to the Covenant Podcast. Grace and peace to you.